These are times of desperation, disease, division, discord, death. These are harsh times. Is there any hope? Yes, there is. It may be obscured by the clouds or the darkness of night before dawn, but it is there. Last week, we had beautiful, sunny, warm weather. Do you remember? Immediately followed by a cold, wet, and stormy day. Sounds like springtime in Seattle. But wow, was it dark a week ago Saturday. That morning, the thunder booms shook our house and woke us up suddenly. Later that morning, our family was having breakfast in our nook, which has a glass ceiling. We were watching the trees sway and the rain fall. There was a bright flash, and before a word could come out of my six-year-old's lips, a crack that shook the windows. Later, we discovered the strike had hit a tree in our neighborhood about a half mile away. In that moment, without speaking, we all stood up, took our breakfast dishes, and moved into the other room. Now, we were more aware of the presence and power of God in that storm than we were the day before, sitting on our lawn, soaking up the sunshine and the gentle breeze. Now, to be sure, God wasn't more present in the storm, but he had our attention. Does he have our attention right now? Are we awakened? Are we listening? Many are asking, where are you, God? Why aren't you doing anything? I believe he is very present, that he is working, that he is speaking clearly. Why should we believe this? Because it's who he is. It's who he's always been. It's what he's always doing. He is unchanging. Yet his voice, his presence, his work may be hidden by the clouds or the darkness of night. Harsh times we find ourselves in. We do look to see God, to hear his voice, and to find his presence. Where do we look? We need the prophets, those who hear from God and make him and his word known. That's the simplest definition of prophecy that I know. Hearing God's voice and making it known. It's not only a future telling of events, but a forth telling of God's word and will. Many question, are there modern day prophets? Well, by that definition that I just gave, of course. Hopefully all who are followers of Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, the living God, will hear the voice of God. Are we listening? Will we then make his word known and become like his prophets? But the Bible also speaks of a gift of prophecy, uniquely given to some. The Apostle Paul teaches this in his letter to the Ephesian church, Ephesians 4.11 and following. Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we receive this teaching as a present and ongoing reality. Not everyone does. Many believe Paul was speaking only to that first century group of followers of Jesus, the early church. To those who hold that perspective, I would ask, have we, the church, attained the full unity of faith and knowledge of God? Have we come to complete maturity and unity, the fullness of Christ? Hardly. So we still need apostles, prophets, 
evangelists, shepherds, pastors, and teachers to equip and build us up. And maybe now more than ever. So where are the modern day prophets for the church? Are they not hearing from God? Are they not speaking? Perhaps. But more likely, they have been silenced, marginalized, even dismissed. Just like the prophets of old. Prophets tend to be unique kind of people. Think of John the Baptist, who lived in the desert. He wore camel's hair clothing and lived on locusts to survive. I remember a modern-day prophet who would pop in from time to time to Union Hill Church over the years and point out where the angels were hovering in the room. And if you could get past that and hear the heart of God in some of his words, you would be greatly encouraged. But what is their message? More important than their methods, do they speak on behalf of God, making known his word and his will? They often proclaim his character, his holiness and righteousness, his justice and judgment. They often warn what's to come without repentance, but they do call a turning of God's people, a turning to him in submission and trust and obedience. For he alone is sovereign, the one true God, the only one worthy to be worshipped. This is what prophets speak They speak the truth that proud, self-righteous people do not want to hear. So they are often dismissed and marginalized. And if that doesn't work, persecuted and silenced. It's always been this way. And who is the greatest of all the prophets? The one who reveals the word and will of God most perfectly? Jesus himself. And what did men do to him? Here's what Stephen said of the early church preached in his famous sermon in Acts chapter 7, verse 51 and following. He preached, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Those harsh words would end his life. I do believe there are modern day prophets, and we must find them and hear them, not marginalize and silence them. Perhaps, I submit, a Francis Chan, now living in Hong Kong, or a Mark Sayers from Melbourne, Australia. You don't need to go out to the wilderness to find them. You can download their podcasts. And I would encourage you to do so. We must receive from modern day prophets if in fact they are hearing from God and making his word and will known. And how will we know that? Good question. Any true prophetic word will be in complete harmony, if I can use that term, with all of God's word. For God himself is immutable. He is unchanging. His purpose everlasting. His revelation consistent. God's word itself teaches us this. The Apostle Paul, again, in his letter to the Thessalonian church, chapter 5, verse 20 of the first letter, he calls the church to not despise prophecies, but to test everything and to hold fast what is good. Test everything. By what measure or standard? By the whole measure of God's word. 
God will not contradict himself. As God speaks through his prophets today, it will strike the same chord. It will ring the same tune with the prophets of old. A.W. Tozer, a prophet in the Alliance family, said this in his book, The Pursuit of God. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord. If modern-day prophets are speaking and revealing the very same things that God has always revealed, we can receive them in confidence. And the reverse is also true. If God's word and will is unchanging, then the prophets of old are not only the measure, but must be heard anew. That's why this letter that we're about to study, this prophecy of Zephaniah, is still relevant and speaking today. God's word is living and active and endures forever. 1 Peter 1.24 All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You've got your Bibles open and turned to Zephaniah, right? You've been waiting. I'm sure you flipped right there. More likely, you got your device and hit search. This short prophetic book is power-packed. However marginalized and ignored and dismissed it has been, it's incredibly relevant. This letter will both affirm and illuminate the words of today's prophets. We must hear and respond to God's word. We should be hungry and thirsty for it more than ever. Is our world not desperate for the voice of wisdom and truth to ring? A call for justice, righteousness, for repentance, and a promise of restoration, renewal, and healing. I introduce you to Zephaniah. Perhaps you've already met this short little letter sandwiched between the two H's in the First Testament, Habakkuk and Haggai. Did you read ahead? I encouraged you to. If so, you had to hang on until the end, didn't you? Zephaniah starts out like a punch to the gut, and it takes the wind out of you. And then he just continues with body blows for two plus chapters. Harsh and humbling words. But if you hang on to the end, endure, you will find incredible hope waiting there. Hope and promise that reframes the whole letter. So while we work through the harsh words of this letter, and I pray receive them, Hang on to the hope that is coming, the hope that is promised. Here's how Zephaniah begins. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Wow. But it ends like this, chapter 3, verse 20. At that time, I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, declares the Lord. So wow, our God is not a simple being, is he? He's fully just and righteous, while at the same time fully merciful and loving. We will see and hear both from the prophet Zephaniah. 
I'm praying, and I do believe that this prophetic word, this 2,600-year-old letter, will parallel our current cultural and societal, global moment, this COVID-19 pandemic that we are living through. Zephaniah has been described as the most painful book in the Bible, an onslaught of harsh words that make us cringe or cry. And the alternative would be to dismiss and ignore, and many have. You know, there's one resource site that I often use. It has 13,500 sermons available to listen to. You click over to the short book of Ephesians that we studied this past year, and you can listen to 291 sermons by great preachers. So click over to Zephaniah, and you find eight. All but one of the pastors preached the whole book in one message, and one fairly well-known pastor preached it in two Well, I have eight messages outlined so far. Yes, you're welcome. That's not a surprise to you, is it? But why the snubbery? I believe this message is incredibly relevant. Maybe a lot more people will be preaching Zephaniah in these days to come. I believe we are living in harsh and painful times. Will we be humble enough to receive harsh and painful words and hang in there for the incredible hope that is offered at the end of this journey? Healing, restoration, renewal, blessing, like balm to the wounds of our soul. Are we not desperate for this? A couple months ago when I began meditating on these prophetic words, when I came through the prophets, the major and the minor prophets, and landed in Zephaniah, his words struck me again and again. With only a slight paraphrase, listen to some of his words. I will cut off mankind around the world. Crying and wailing and lamenting will be heard from the city streets. The traitors are no more. Their supply chains have been cut off. The moneymakers will be brought low. I have cut off nations. Their security is shaken. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate, without a man, without an inhabitant. There will be great lamenting and longing to gather together again in celebration. Hear this, church. God's word doesn't only tell of what happened. It tells us what always happens. It's not only history and the awareness that history often repeats itself, although it is that. It is his story, God's, revealed across thousands of years by more than 40 different human authors, ultimately telling one story of his restoration of all creation. He makes right what has gone wrong. He is righteous. He will judge perfectly. He will punish evil because he is holy and good. He will discipline those he loves to get their attention, to draw them back, to grow them stronger. He will bring justice to the oppressed and marginalized, the abused and enslaved. And he often uses these very ones to do his greatest work through. Our God is a just judge, but he is also patient beyond what we deserve. A recurring refrain throughout Scripture, our God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. But do not be mistaken, he is angry at evil. He will pour out his wrath against it in his perfect timing. Yet in the incredible and unexpected climax to the story, he pours out his wrath and judgment upon Jesus who hangs on the cross in our place. 
Through Jesus, God will restore and renew all things and bring salvation to all who turn to him. This is the message of the entire Bible. Ultimately, this is the gospel. The good news is God will be faithful to his promise, everyone. He will complete his restoration and renewal of all his creation. He will rescue and save and deliver all who call out to him. Now we know what Zephaniah didn't know when he wrote down the word of the Lord. That Jesus of Nazareth would be the fulfillment of all of God's promises. He would be the greatest prophet, the greatest priest, the greatest king. He would bring salvation and deliverance by laying down his life in our place. He would take upon himself the wrath of God's justice and judgment against sin. That we might be spared. So when we read and study any text of scripture that speaks to the future, we must read and study it with this bigger perspective in mind. So read and study Zephaniah this way. Yes, Zephaniah speaks of events that would be fulfilled in the the near term for the nation of Israel. We'll get into that in the weeks to come. God's judgment would come in their generation. But Zephaniah clearly speaks of events that were much greater in scope utterly sweeping away everything from the face of the earth? That's not yet happened. We have been warned, and now we are waiting. The prophecies of Scripture are fulfilled in that way, fitting into God's bigger story, which is still being written. Think of it like a threefold fulfillment. Sometime in the next generation or two from when a prophet speaks, Then, a greater fulfillment and understanding of these words when Jesus, the righteous judge, first comes to earth. But the final fulfillment and revelation and clarity for all prophecy is still to come when Jesus returns a second time, as promised. This is the message proclaimed by Zephaniah. Is it not a message that we're desperate for? In the wake of yet another demonstration of racial persecution in its ugliest and most tragic form. Zephaniah is real and it is raw, yet 2,600 years later it is relevant. Perhaps harsh words are exactly what's needed to awaken us, yet they are also full of hope. We must hang in there, endure, persevere, be resilient and relentless in the pursuit of our holy And good God. God is at work preparing us for the season ahead. We must grow so that when we emerge, we are stronger, deeper roots of faith, love, justice, generosity, and hope. Through the lens of Zephaniah, we will focus in on who God is and always has been, on what he's done and always will do, his sovereignty, our idolatry, his warning his judgment, his glory, his restoration, and our celebration. To be continued. Now, church, respond with singing and praise, with prayers of repentance and preparation, with hunger and thirst for the restoration and renewal that our God has promised. I do feel I need to preface this first song that we will be singing, Come Alive, Dry Bones. It's a song we've sung many times when we've gathered together, just not in recent months. 
A number of weeks ago, we selected this song along with a few others to be anthem-like songs for this Zephaniah series. Now with the recent killing of George Floyd, some of these words have, have an added poignancy. We are aware. Catherine said all she could think of when singing the bridge, breathe, O breath of God, was, I can't breathe. I think you'll hear the emotion. We wrestled as a team whether or not we should even play it, but we believe it should stand. Embrace the emotion. Call out to our God who alone gives us the breath of life. We rebuke the enemy and the evil in this world that wants to steal it away. Lord God, be in our midst now, we pray.